Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones, A Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Man, there was a bear bear, all black and brown and covered in hair. Hey everyone, I'm Guile. I tweet at Door Podcast, and tonight I'm joined by Kama. Hi, this is Kama, and I'm at the hyphen real hyphen comma splice on Tumblr. Andrea. Hi, I'm Andrea, and you can find me at Andrea Lee17 on Twitter. And I'm excited to announce the return of our favorite spicy Texan, Eon. <laughs> hey, um, this is Eon. I'm Eon Blue Negative on Tumblr. Welcome and I'm glad back, to be yeah. back. Yeah, welcome yes. back. Welcome back. You've yes, been I, will, I will admit I'm a little nervous. I feel like I'm a, a little podcast virgin again. Cutting <laughs> <laughs> on George for the very first time. Oh, oh God. Sorry. I Don't do resist. that. <laughs> Never again. Um, so tonight we're continuing our read of Asha's point of view chapters with her first chapter in A Dance with Dragons, The Wayward Bride. And I want to give our standard... Um, Spoiler warnings, as well as um, a trigger warning for rape discussion in this particular chapter. So we open up with Asha holed up in Deepwood Mott, and she gets a letter from Ramsey Bolton that's written in the blood of the Iron Men who were holding Molt Kalen. And enclosed in the letter is a piece of her brother Theon's skin. And I just, like, no one can say Ramsay hasn't learned a little drama from yeah. you know, his undead vampire father, can't they? Like, he... so, so, unlike the show, she didn't get a dick in a box this no, time. It's she just didn't, a piece no. of skin. <laughs> Not receive a dick in a box. Unless it was dick skin. Like, I guess they didn't really specify the skin. I, I... I feel like it was well, a finger for some reason, but I, I was yeah. hoping it was a fi- piece of finger skin, maybe. Yeah, maybe, yeah. It's so, it was so gross that we're even like. Really I fun. mean, upgrade, downgrade, I can't tell. Like, what kind of skin? In particular, this would be like George's dream. What they want to know, like, what kind of skin? Oh my gosh! <laughs> no, George, we don't want any details you have to offer us in this chapter. <laughs> So the Good, staff, thanks. which um, the, the staff, which seems to all be hold, holdovers from the Glovers, they want to share the news with Lady Sybil, and we find out that Asha left um, Sybil Glover's two children on Ten Towers with her two aunts, and that Sybil has spent all of her time back at Deepwood Mott in the Godswood praying for them and for her husband Robet. Robet, Robet. I always think of him as Robet, but that feels very French to me. Robet Glover <laughs> <laughs> and his brother Galbert. Oh, God. Asha assumes that they're both dead, but actually we know that um, Galbert went with um, Marge Mormont and Jason Malister to the reeds with Rob's will and, you know, they're missing since then. And Robert is at White Harbor. God, stop it with the French. (laughs) I can't sing Madonna. I can't speak French. Like, this is just (laughs) awful. Um so, you know, she's doing all this praying, and Asha thinks it's kind of pointless, but it turns out that actually, like, everyone in Sybil's world is doing pretty well, comparatively speaking. Um, you know, Asha and her men assume that Ramsay and his North men are going to head to Torrin Square, and they debate whether they should go and join Dagmar Clefjaw's inevitable battle against them. Um, basically, they kind of realize they're screwed, and they want to die fighting rather than waiting around to die. 
Um, we find out, you know, Euron doesn't care about what's going on. Going on, he was crowned at the King's Moot, and then he sailed out in the Sunset Sea, kind of doing his freaky shit. And there's really like no one back on Pike to call for help, even if they could. So things are not looking good in Ash's world. And you know, as anyone would do, she gets drunk and <laughs> she goes to bed. And Carl the Maid follows her. And she tells him she wants to be alone, and he tells her that what she wants is him. And he pulls a knife on her and unlaces her jerkin with it and pushes her onto the be- onto the bed. And you know, here it becomes quite obvious that Asha is really into it. Um, this is always people talk about. This is one of George's better sex scenes. What did you guys think? It's better, and yet it's sort of offensive. Yeah, I'm I, leaning towards offensive. I mean, like. I think if we'd had more indication that, and I don't know how you do this, but that this was like sort of like their kind of the, thing. The role playing. Right. Yeah. And I, I was thinking Because about it this. really yeah. reads very rapey. Yes. And then all of a sudden she's wet from it. And it's like, I kind of wonder, does he know how this works? Because it, it really. Yeah. It, it doesn't I, read hot to me it I reads. think the issue is that he doesn't allow her to actually think about what is happening to her yeah so like right. she's not I, thinking I think like right. oh my god I'm you know I'm f- afraid what is he you know what is he doing why is he doing this to me but she's or also not this thinking is something like, that yeah. they normally <laughs> right like, even like, if we got clearly, a sense of this is like their normal like yeah. you know kind of play like, I'd be down with that that's fine I think he just doesn't have any idea what women think about during sex yeah it's like he doesn't think that she'd be thinking about like what he's doing and like how it's making her feel and how it's making her feel is like very crucial here because it's you know he he means it to have making her feel like basically she has the weight of the world on her shoulders and i think what he wants is kind of for her to feel like that's being taken away for a moment and she kind of can and she relax. Wants, right. She can relax. She, you know, like this is their thing. Like, you know, she's the she's the boss outside of the bedroom and he's the boss in the bedroom and that's kind of like their jam. But it's I think he because he doesn't give us that internal right. monologue, it's just like, what the hell are you doing? Right, right. And I mean he relies on the oh she's wet. Oh, okay, everything's fine then. Like, well, it's not really how it works. It's not you know? how it works. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So, I mean, to, but then it's kind of funny because afterwards, Asha's thinking that she needs to brew some moon tea, but that it really doesn't matter because she's going to die anyway. And she reminisces about her relationship with Carl. And um, I just, I wanted to read a few of these paragraphs because it's like he can't really talk about the feelings during sex, but this, these few paragraphs, like, describe everything he wanted to say in the sex, I think. So it says, Asha pressed, her, pressed herself against his back and slid her arms about him. On the aisles, he was known as Carl the Maid, in part to distinguish him from Carl Shepard, Quiro Carl Kenning, Carl Quickex, and Carl the Thrall, <laughs> but more for his smooth <laughs> cheeks. When Asha had first met him, Carl had been trying to raise a beard. Peach fuzz, she had called it laughing. Carl confessed that he had never seen a peach, so she told him he must join her on her next voyage south. It had been summer then. Robert sat on the Iron Throne, Balin brooded on the sea stone chair, and the Seven Kingdoms were at peace. Asha sailed the black wind down the coast, trading. They called at Fair Isle and Lannisport and a score of smaller ports before reaching the arbor, 
where the peaches were always huge and sweet. You see, she'd said the first time she'd held one up against Carl's cheeks. When she made him try a bite, the juice ran down his chin and she had to kiss it clean. That night they'd spent devouring peaches and each other, and by the time daylight returned, Asha was sated and sticky and as happy as she'd ever been. Was that six years ago or seven? Summer was a fading memory, and it had been three years since Asha last enjoyed a peach. She still enjoyed Carl, though. The captains and the kings might not have wanted her, but he did. Asha had known other lovers. Some shared her bed for half a year, some for half a night. Carl pleased her more than all the rest together. He might shave but once a fortnight, but a shaggy beard does not make a man. She liked the feel of his smooth, soft skin beneath her fingers. She liked the way his long, straight hair brushed against his shoulders. She liked the way he kissed. She liked how he grinned when, he, she, brushed her, when she brushed her thumbs across his nipples. The hair between his legs was a darker shade of sand than the hair on his head, but fine as down compared to the coarse black bush around her own sex. She liked that, too. He had a swimmer's body, long and lean, with not a scar upon him. A shy smile, strong arms, clever fingers, and two sure swords. What more can any woman want? She would have married Carl, and gladly, but she was Lord Balin's daughter, and he was common-born, the grandson of a thrall. Too, blor- too low-born for me to wed, but not too low for me to suck his cock. <laughs> 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 he almost had it, like, right up to, like, the last line. You're like, right. oh! But just, you know, that... Um, you know, this description of, of who she is compared to, her, you know, her father brooding on Pike. Um, and, you know, she's trading. She's not off. And, I mean, I, don't, I, I know I'm going to totally tend to, like, only see the best in Asha and all of her POVs. Like, I can already feel myself doing that. But, you know, she's not reaving. She's she's trading. She's kind of having a, you know, she's having a good time. She's yeah enjoying, you know, she's enjoying life. She's not, like, enthralled to the past. Right. So, yeah, so now I'm shipping them hardcore. One thing I did, I thought was interesting in here is she says, you know, the captains and the kings might not have wanted her, but he did. And that kind of made me think, like, um, you know, was Balin, had Balin been, like, unsuccessfully trying to match her with someone? And, you know, who? If so, who? Yeah. I mean, the only thing I could think of was the really, um, like, Willis Tyrell. Which I can't mean, imagine that ever. Yeah, seem to be quite a mis a mis a mismatch. But you know, in terms of like the big names, you know, she's too old for Rob. You know, I don't. I mean, Tyrion make Tyrion would frankly make a lot of sense, but I don't. Oh think, God, you know, I want that. The Ironmen wouldn't be. I can't imagine the Ironborn would be. Why not call them the Ironmen? The Ironborn. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't feel like they'd be into. You know, into Tyrion. And I don't know if, you know, the Lannisters would consider even the Greyjoys as, you know, too far below them. Well, it's not until he's, Tywin is looking to shore stuff up that he even, because remember, one of Cersei's possible choices. Is um, Theon. No. Oh, it's um, Balon, isn't it? It's Balon, even though Alanis, well, is still alive, but she's sick and like to die, um, to misquote uh, Shakespeare or whatever. So, I mean... At that point, I think Tywin is willing to do it, but I can't imagine him being willing to wed one of his kids. Well, maybe Tyrion. I don't know. And, you know, Davin, frankly, would, you know, again, like... That'd be a good one. He, 
it wouldn't have been a, you know, it would have been a, you, you would think like, you know, if you're Lannisport and you're kind of, you know, you're always sort of worried or even, you know, like the Red Wines, if they, one of, actually one of the Red Wine kids, those two, you know, Rober and those two dolts mm-hmm. that, <laughs> one of those Our two, unless, yeah, <laughs> like, I don't know their ages offhand, but, you know, like Davin Lannister would seem to be a decent match just in terms of like security for Lannisport, if nothing else. Yeah. And, you know, that w- knowing him, like, you know, their personalities actually would have worked pretty well together. But, oh, yeah. You know, I, I feel like even, make- like, the lesser Lannisters would, like, frown upon a Greyjoy marriage. It, yeah, I'm trying it to... Like, oh, excuse me. Sorry. Go ahead. No. I'm it trying to think... Like- sorry. <laughs> you go. I'm trying to think of who of the Ironborn are married to, you know, mainland Westerosi. Like, I'm just not thinking off the top of my head um, anyone comes to mind. Like, uh, Balon's wife is a Harlaw, so mm-hmm. that's Ironborn. So, like, can you guys think of anybody? No. Well, remember, that's a new trend comparatively. That yeah. started with the War of the, what were they called? The Nine Penny Kings or whatever. Yeah. That was like that's a comparatively new thing that in fact I think some of the characters talk about that like that that wasn't something that they used to do you mean marry outside of their region yeah, yeah it's I mean, um, like the on ambitions yeah. or whatever that those right. kind of right the Lannisters married Marbrands and um yeah Lefferts you married your bannermen okay yeah, Webbers Ian what were you gonna say it was along the same lines as um, Drea. I mean, I think the Greyjoys are kind of a hard sell for main, yeah. the mainlanders. I mean, they're kind of the trailer trash of Westeros. <laughs> yeah. And I feel but like yeah, the Targaryens are. are so the trailer trash of Westeros. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. They're like, come on. Well, they yeah, are but the they're like the Kardashians of, of Westeros. You know, right. they're there. The Ironborn are like the honey boo-boo of Westeros. <laughs> <laughs> That is so great. Yikes. Uh, yeah, they're just... And it's, you know... I, I feel like Asha would not make someone necessarily a good wife, but... Uh, uh, yeah, no. But, you know, it's hard not to like her, and it's hard That's not to like That's kind of what I like about her, yeah. Well, yeah, she's... Again, like, she feels like a real... You know, she, she, she feels like a pretty real person. Although, can I just, before we move on, yeah. I just want to say... I don't know if George has ever tried to burn fabric, but it's 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 not a real good thing to throw in the fire. <laughs> I thought she was burnt. He was she was burning the skin. She did that. That's that made total didn't sense. Didn't she burn her jerkin? That um, and then that she Carl burns after he rips knifed. her clothes in true bodice rip, ripper fashion. She throws that on the fire, and I'm like, if that's leather, that's definitely not going to burn. And if it's cloth, I, I, I mean, it's just not something. Well, I mean, I feel like it's cloth because she wouldn't be wearing leather. Well, I guess she yeah, wasn't but like completely still, undressed. Yeah. It's not exactly like the smoke point. It's going to be, you're going to have a messy, it's, it's not going to be great. <laughs> but they're all going to die. And they're like, you know, it's not their house. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, while you're sitting there, you're going to be miserable because yeah. it's sort of like trying to burn plastic. I think it's, it's, it's not going to be a. You know. A good time. Yeah. yeah. I'm also going to say that Carl the Maid sounds really hot. Because, right? I mean, if you if you read some of the descriptions of the other Ironborn, Carl the Maid sounds like he's Eric Northman from True Blood to me. He's yeah. Alexander <laughs> Skarsgård. I mean, he, he sounds like he's hot. Well, and I do kind of like that, you know, in their 
you know, in their discussions, you know, that we, we see them have a few times in this chapter. Like, he never acts like he is above anyone else or above Asha because he's sleeping with her. Like, he defers to her. Yeah. You know, he always defers to her. But then, I mean, I, you know, as, as awkward as the scene is, like, I kind of get what George is doing. And I like that, that he's like, yeah. you know, yeah, I'm going to, you know, man it up in the bedroom. And, you know, she, you know. I, I wish he had I, filled again, in the blanks, I, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, he he needed to, like, put him. It's, it's so funny. Like, he can put himself in the mind of. All oh, of man. these, like, crazy people and, like, in the minds of, like, children, but, like, the mind of a woman having sex, like, good luck. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, no I think clue. that's the problem is it just, it reads kind of weird. And, yeah. I mean, all he had to do was, like, I think it would have been if we'd just gotten her perspective. Yeah. Or some yeah. Instead of her indication that it, this like, was their thing. It. This mm-hmm. is what they did. I think it would have been yeah. fine. Yeah. It's just, like, it reads abruptly because I'm like, oh, my God, she's being raped. Because I'd forgotten all of this. Yeah. And then, mm-hmm. no, she's, I mean, this is a thing they do, which right. is fine. I get that. It just needed some. She needed to be feeling something about it other than like, oh, I'm wet. Surprise. Like, yeah. That's well, because it was all like, very descriptive. It's not like it's like, usually a physical, surprise. What's going on, but it wasn't right. like her emotions. Right. And that, yeah, I think, she... is where it really falls down. Yeah. Yeah. She give really... us the peach passage first and yeah. then do the, you know, rapey sex. Right. Like. Because, I mean, there is, like, she, you can't read that passage, and it's like, they, you know, she loves him. Like, yeah. you know, she really loves him, and, you know, it's kind of, like, heartbreaking that she feels like she can't marry him, you know? So, anyway, um, so as comfortable as she is with Carl, you know, Ash is really uncomfortable in the woods, and there's a lot in this chapter about that, and she thinks the air smelled of pines instead of salt, and she knows that Stannis Baratheon is also somewhere in those woods, and she wonders if she should ally with him against their common enemy. But, you know, there's really a lot of history between the Baratheons and the Greyjoys, and it just doesn't even really seem like it's something that she um, really considers. And she's, you know, thinking about Deepwood Mott, and that's not really a strong castle, and even if it were, the crops were killed in her original attack, and there's been a couple of hard frosts since then, so nothing that they've planted has taken so they're really right. in no position to withstand an attack or a siege, even if they could, even if it was a stronger castle, they're, you know, they don't have enough food to withstand a siege. And she's thinking, you know, she doesn't really intend to be taken alive by the likes of Ramsay Snow slash Bolton. Um, you know, she's going to die here. And she thinks back to the King's Moot and thinks about how she fled at the reader's strong urging right after the King's Moot assuming that Euron would either kill her or wed her to someone awful. And frankly, that's what happened. She's been married by proxy um, to the ancient Aaron, Eric Ironmaker. I want to call him the Anvil Maker, but I think he's Eric Ironmaker. And there's a, a fairly short passage that I wanted to read. I cannot go home, she thought, but I dare not stay here much longer. The quiet of the woods unnerved her. Asha had spent her life on islands and on ships. The sea was never silent. The sound of the waves washing against a rocky shore was in her blood, but there were no waves at Deepwood Mott, only the trees, the endless trees, soldier pines and sentinels, beech and ash and ancient oaks, chestnut trees and ironwoods and firs. The sound they made was softer than the sea, and she heard it only when the wind was blowing. Then the sighing seemed to come from all around her, as if the trees were whispering to one another in some language that she could not understand. 
Tonight the whispering seemed louder than before. A rush of dead brown leaves, Asha told herself, bare branches creaking in the wind. She turned away from the window, away from the woods. I need a duck beneath my feet again, or failing that, some food in my belly. She'd had too much wine tonight, but too little bread, and none, none of that great bloody roast. Um, one thing, I mean, I, I love, like, all of the, you know, the imagery and just how how out of place she is, but it also, you know, there's this love of, there's such love of the elements that she knows, though, too, and it was making me think about how many of George's POVs are characters out of place. You know, mm. we have John beyond the wall. We have Sansa and King's Landing in the Vale, Arya and Bravos and Danny yep. and, and Essos. And, you know, there's, you know, it's really hard to think of any character that is, you know, maybe like Victorian. We kind of see him like in his, in his element a little bit. But we don't, you know, in some of Tyrion's chapters, fucking we see, scary element. Yeah. But yeah, mm. and maybe like some of Tyrion's um, class chapters in King's Landing, we we see him like totally comfortable in his element. But most of the book and most of the characters are really like out of place. And I don't know about you guys, but it, it kind of made me wish that we saw like a Stark, a Stark, you know, in the North, in the woods, um, just to see, you know, to see what that's like. Like, I really wanted, like you know... their POV, yeah. Yeah, and I really, you know, kind of wished we saw Asha, like an Asha POV at sea now, because I, I really, you know... She's very confident, but not in a delusional way, but I, I want to see her... Um, I want to see more of that. <laughs> yeah. She's confident, but she's also resigned. She yeah. really says over and over again, I'm, I'm going to die. It's, it's what's going to happen. I'm going to die. She's just, she's resigned to it. Yeah. I just kind of wish she had gotten in her ship and just gone trading and, right. and you know, go sail to Ashai. Don't, don't end it here. It doesn't make sense that, you know, such a cool character gets to bite it. Not that she bites it here, but like, you know, she gets taken and yeah. spoiler alert, but like, you know, seems like an unfair end for her. I mean, you kind of hope that somehow she gets on the sea and, you know, yeah. at least goes down and, you know, fighting the good fight against her asshole uncles or something, you know, like, you yeah. kind of, you know. So, anyway, she's, um, you know, she's wa- she gets out of bed and she's walking around the grounds and she runs into our old friend, Tris Botley, who, <laughs> to his credit, has stayed loyal to her. And, you know, he still claims to want her and Ash still wants nothing to do with them that way. And, you know, she urges him to hook up with Hagen's ginger daughter. And, you know, we'll later see she's clearly far too much woman for Triss. <laughs> Just saying, like, she's pretty awesome. And, you know, to Drea's point, Triss, Trish, Triss, God, Triss tells Asha that they ought to run away and make new lives as traitors on the sea. And, you know, he's not wrong. <laughs> like, And Asha kind of realizes it's not a terrible idea either. And she... She runs through her other options. You know, she even thinks about going to her husband. And, you know, she's like, uh, you know, maybe he'll Fucking die. Fucking him to death? Yeah, like, maybe he'll <laughs> die when we have sex. Like, you know, some reasonable kind of things. Like, I feel like I could think of some woman in our modern-day world that might be, <laughs> maybe we're having this, <laughs> about that too. the same yeah. sort of thing. I don't know. Um, I'm sure she's, well. <laughs> and <laughs> she, she, she um, kind of settles on going to Sea Dragon Point until the time is right to return to Pike someday to dispute the king's moot. And Triss kind of passes on a little Ironborn history. 
about the one time that a king's moot was overturned, which is when one of the claimants wasn't informed of the king's moot. And, you know, Asha has this quick little aha moment that, you know, hey, Theon is alive, so the king's moot is invalid. And just as she's, you know, she kisses Triss, but just, you know, almost immediately as this is happening, they're interrupted by a war horn, and they're under attack. Actually, I'm going to back up to see if anyone, um, you know, what do you think about that king's moot and the possibility of that being overturned? I'm not sure if Theon is in a place at this point, uh, or ever <laughs> will be, be, to well, contest I, that. I, I don't think... I don't think she's thinking of, I mean, I think what she, she's thinking, I'm assuming is that, Oh, Hey, this is a way to get back. I mean, she doesn't want Theon to be in power. She wants to be yeah. in power. Right. Well, I right, think but I like, wouldn't he that- have to contest it because he wasn't there. Well, I think it would be like, he'd be a figurehead kind yeah, of thing. Like, sure. you know, they would tell him what to, or she'd tell him what to do. Sure. And then, I mean, assuming she, she has no idea of knowing, like, I mean, other than, well, his skin is being flayed off. I mean, she doesn't exactly know, you know, what kind of state right. he's in or if he could do that. But I think that's her plan. I don't think she actually. It's like the say, genesis of a, of a plan. Cause she yeah. later kind of thinks about, you know, going to win, you know, they could get to Winterfell and she, yeah, she's, you know, I think she's grasping at, at anything to do. So, as I said, she kisses Triss, and, and they're interrupted by a war horn. And they realize they're under attack, but it's just five Flint guys dressed up like trees. And the last, and they claim that they were just trying to rescue Sibel Glover. And then there's some, you know, light torture. And the last unfortunate man confesses that they're actually sent to open the gates for the thousands of men behind him. And Asha gathers everyone in the castle in the bailey. And Sibel Glover tells her that, you know, they'll exchange her for her two children. And, you know, Asha believes her, but she knows that most of the rest of her men won't get such generous terms. And she gives, you know, her men the choice, surrender or fight. And these are ironborn, so I'm going to give you all one guess what they want to (laughs) do. They want to (laughs) discuss. Yeah. So they want to fight, but it's pretty clear they're going to lose. And they start talking, and this just kind of cracked me up. They kind of they start talking about how they're going to die with dry feet, and then they sort of start that like really dark as fuck debate about, well, do the little streams in the forest count as the sea? Like they're trying to like die with you know die on the water on a technicality. Rationalize basic. it. Yeah, which is you know exactly what people would do, and I still find kind of hilarious. Um, and, you know, given this talk, Ash is like, fuck this, I'm not dying yet. So she commands her men to make for the sea. And they ride out in the dark through the thick woods, and it's kind of disaster. There's horses breaking legs, and it's just, you know, they can't light torches, and it's just, they're not familiar with the woods. So they're not doing well. And they rest to eat, and then some of them go off to screw. Um, they're suddenly under attack. And there's a great passage that describes, like, the battle far better than I ever could. Um, Asha thinks, no singer would ever make a song about that battle. No master would ever write down an account for one of the reader's beloved books. No banners flew, no warheads moaned. No great lord called his men about him to hear his final ringing words. They fought in the pre-dawn gloom, shadow against shadow, stumbling over roots and rocks with mud and rotting leaves beneath their feet. The ironborn were clad in mail and salt-stained leather. 
the Northmen in furs and hides and piney branches. The moon and stars looked down upon their struggle. Their pale light filtered through the tangle of bare limbs that twisted overhead. And I just, like, I love that. <laughs> yeah, it's like peak George writing. And, it, you know, go. that's the thing. Like, this is the first A Dance with Dragons chapter that we've um, that we've been in other than, you know, just the couple of, of Cersei and... Um, oh, I think maybe Jamie. there was a John, but Cersei and the one Jamie. But, I mean, I personally kind of feel like George's actual writing is phenomenal. It's just... It, he doesn't necessarily write about things that move the story forward all the time. Right. So they're fighting in the woods and the ironborn are, are fighting hard and, you know, they're, they're killing their fair share. And there's this, this time that it's Ash and Carl fighting back to back. And I totally feel like this is like Jamie and Brienne in the future, right? Like that's going to be them. Um, and it sounds like the Ironborn are better fighters, but they're basically being overwhelmed by their foes. If and, their numbers are not in their yeah. favor. Right. And then we get this great little passage about Hagen's daughter, which I love. <laughs> <laughs> Hagen's daughter burst naked from beneath the trees with two wolves at her heels. Asher wrenched loose a throwing axe and sent it flying end over end to take one of them in the back. When he fell, Hagen's daughter stumbled to her knees, snatched up his sword, stabbed the second man, then rose again, smeared with blood and mud, her long hair unbound, and plunged into the fight. That's bad. There's no way, no way that Christopher Botley, or whatever his name is, could handle that. (laughs) No. You're right. Absolutely not. I mean, who could handle that? Like, let's, like, there's, like, a very, there's a very select man who might number zero, (laughs) I, I have a feeling like this is the type of character that, you know, oh God, I used well, book torment, maybe. Or like book one of the like one of the free folk could handle, you know, right. would respect that and would, you know <laughs> yeah. who wouldn't respect that? Like I Well like, no, but I mean I like don't... that might be able to, you know, yeah. Like damn, Hagen's daughter. It's a limited like... number. I I really don't. Yeah, I feel like Jamie would be very impressed. Yeah, but oh, Jamie, yeah. there's no way in hell Jamie couldn't handle Asha, much less Hagen's daughter. Like, true, yeah, true. <laughs> they're way too much for him. <laughs> oh, oh man! So Asha gets into a fight with the big bald Northman with an axe. And you can kind of just feel she's just exhausted, and Northman forces her against a tree and lifts his axe and smashes it against her temple. And as she falls, she hears trumpet sound and dreams of red hearts burning in a black stag in a golden wood with flames streaming from his antlers. So we know it's, it's dun, 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 uh, Stannis Baratheon <laughs> to the slaughter. <laughs> and that's how our chapter ends. Good times. It's kind of funny because, yeah, reading it through the first time, you you know, you don't, well, I guess the flints kind of give it away. That we know it's probably Stannis at that point. But, you know, you're rooting for Asha, you're rooting for Asha, and then, oh, Stannis, well, I'm kind of, <laughs> I'm also kind of rooting for Stannis. So it's one of those fights where, you know, there's really not a side to be against because I think, like, beyond Asha and Carl, I mean, I don't really particularly want anything terrible to happen to Tris Botley either. Like he's lame, but you know, he's like pretty, he's loyal, you know, except now don't you, I mean, I know we're going to into her future chapters a bit, but you know, back off Justin Massey, just saying, (laughs) she's not yours. She's really doomed with these guys who have, you know, no, 
mean, I'm just thinking about Justin Massey. I mean, she really, there's a couple of these guys who are just really not, I mean, you got to admire them for wanting, for admiring her. But at the same time, it's like, oh, she is there. She's so out of their league. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, like Stannis himself, maybe Mance Raider, but I feel like he's a little too soft for her. Although, actually, Mance and Asha might get along pretty well. Like, they both, you know, know how to live. (laughs) And, I mean, that's, like, that's probably about it that we know, you know, dudes that we know. Oh, man. Um, Any other thoughts on the chapter? I, you know, it was interesting, uh, and I don't know why I missed it, but... Um, when she gets that letter, it's signed by who is it? It's signed by the uh, Bruce Bolton, Barbara, Barbara Dunstan. Dunstan, yeah. And then there's this lady, and I have no idea how you're supposed to pronounce that. They said it in the show, and it was like Cowan or whatever. Sirwin? But is it C E R W? Yeah, I don't think. I mean, if it's, I'm not sure if that's not how you pronounce it. But anyhow, it's um. That's not, it's, it's the lady. It's his daughter. She's, um, the father dies at Heron Hall. So now, and I went, we don't know much about her, do we? So I'm looking, is it, it's Janelle. Yeah. And she is, I think I feel like is Janelle, is she kind of the one? Yeah, she is. So I, I remembered her from Cat's from Cat's chapters, and she's the one that he brings her to Winterfell to cook for him, or to cook for them. And she's kind of um, oh, and and they're like thinking that thinking he's that maybe be... like she'd hook up with Rob, but I think yeah. you know, she's like a little bit older, like she might be in her twenties, and just seemed kind of um, not homely, but just a little quiet. Oh, it says she's plump and homely. <laughs> Per the wiki, um, Theon Greyjoy believes that Rob will one night find her in his bed. <laughs> so. Well, and I think, I mean, I honestly don't think Theon's wrong there. I think no. that's the whole point of, you know, they want, the father wants her to, you know, show so after yeah. Rob. So they say she was born in, in 267, which would make her, um, I think would make her like Jamie's age. So she's oh, way, quite way too old for Rob. Yeah, yeah. So she's quite a bit older. But I don't know. I always find it interesting when they're women who are in charge because you don't always see that in the show, uh, in the the books, or the show, right? Or, or the show, actually, more in the show. Yeah. yeah. So she is. Um, yeah, she's a year younger, or yeah, a year younger than Jamie. So she's you know thirty three, I guess, or thirty four if it's you know if we figure it's three oh one. So yeah, yeah she's quite a bit too old for for john um hmm. you know probably should count herself lucky that um you know ramsey or roost didn't you know try to take her for a wife i guess although i guess roost would have been the more um it's scary when he's the better choice yeah i mean but i mean clearly he is the better choice like he hasn't actually killed any of his wives (laughs) right now so you know he's got that going for him (laughs) Uh, so there's a theory that Asha could be pregnant yeah. just from this chapter because she never got around to having that moon tea. 
do you think she I mean, might be? <laughs> I wouldn't. I would think it'd be interesting if she was just to see her as a character being pregnant and like sure. being kind of unapology pregnant, unapologetically pregnant with you know the child of like the you know man she loves. Like, there's something kind of appealing about that, but then I think too, like you know, they're basically starving, and you know, realistically, that's you know not that great for the unborn child. Well, and George has an unfortunate track record with pregnant women in his series. Right. I mean, yeah, they yeah. all die, you know, yeah, regardless that's... of the likelihood of that. So, I don't know. Leave Asha alone. But I mean, you know. Especially if something, well, you know, if she doesn't, if Carl dies or something, like, I, you know, it's like, I wouldn't mind her having a little peachy reminder of her lover. I, you know, I love her as a character. Um, there's a chapter, I don't know if I'm on it, but she talks about, like, I, I find her interesting. I mean, she's not just about the physical. She's not, you know, she's she's fairly clever. She's got ambition. Um, I, she's always appealed to me as she's one of the few gray joys I've actually ever really given right. a shit about. Um, I mean, other than Theon, I mean, I think they're all pretty much crazy ass fuckers and I, you know, they all died. I really wouldn't care. Um, but I care about her. I find her interesting. Well, I've always kind of classified her as those characters that have the capability to move from the world they're in to a, a different world. Like, let's say that she survives to the end and, you know, Westeros evolves to some, you know, early stage, not total democracy, but some, you know, some other system of government that is... That she could fun- function in another yeah, kind she of would, right, she'd be system. Fine. And she'd be, yeah. you know, she'd be a leader in it. She wouldn't be fighting against it necessarily. She'd be like, okay, I can deal with, I can, you know, here are the new, here's the new parameter. I can work within that. I can succeed within that. She, like, even I here think she's what, thinking that. I think it's because she would see... You, she's a character who could see the utility of that. Yeah, and I mean, and and not of the in opportunities, the, not in like a purely pragmatic way either. Like there's or not a that's not the right word. Um. Well, no, I is, think it yeah. is kind of similar. I mean, she could see the advantages. Yeah, I feel like she and Jamie have that in common. Like they're the characters that are in you know leadership positions. But they're not in, you know, they're not rigid. Those positions aren't so rigidly defined as they are for someone, you know, frankly, more like Stannis or Daenerys, for example, that, and right. that you know, are very much tied to a system that has them on the top alone. And, you know, that's very important for them that they have that acknowledgement of, you know, they have that acknowledgement within the existing system. And, you know, the system breaks... Are you know are they going to be able to work with it or are they going to be fighting for the old you know the old times basically? I think that someone like Cersei would not survive in a stripped down Westeros where you don't have the courtly intrigue, you don't have the scheming, you don't have the manipulation. She's not a leader in in the traditional sense, whereas Asha uh, can be, and it is not all about you know who can I scheme with and ally with. And I think she would just be a natural leader and would function well because yeah. she's she's a well developed female character that's not like Ariane or Cersei where there's some ulterior motive to what she's doing. She's just, she's doing what she needs to do. 
Yeah, and I mean, you know, she is, you can kind of see, she is a natural-born leader. You know, yes, she's a Greyjoy, and that that's her, you know, she's a Greyjoy, and she has some personal loyalty, but in the way, you know, she discusses things, you know, she discusses things with her enemy, or with her captives, rather, discusses things with her men, you know, gives them... Choice, you know, gives them choices, but then is also able to like make definitive decisions. Right. Like right. she's, you know, she's really doing a good job here, frankly, in a you know really shitty situation. Well, she. Right. I think the her advantage is she functions well in the. I mean, in her existing system. I mean, she she works. She knows how it works for her. She can function in that. But I think there's enough flexibility, if if I get what you're saying, to be able to function in some sort of alternative situation. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I think, you know, like, John is another one that has clearly, you know, proven that he can do that. He can, well, I guess not, since they did kill him, but I mean, <laughs> like... Oh, there was that, right? Well, you know, I guess that was sort of a, you know, sort of an issue. But, you know, I mean, he... There's... He, he was killed for his flexibility, not his inflexibility, I guess, is more of the, you know, more of the point. But, yeah, there's... um you know, she's one of the characters that I, almost, I, you know, I feel like her best chance for survival is the fact that she's clearly positioned as one of the characters that could take Westeros into a different future. Yeah. I would agree with that. So, yeah. I hope she makes it. Yeah, I yeah. hope so. Exactly. God damn it. There's like getting to be fewer and fewer characters that I would be like, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> now, now I'm kind of like, hey, Janelle Serwin, like I want you to, you know, I want you to make it too, like you know, cook some food. Um, <laughs> you, you do you, like you know, find some hot wildling dude that'll appreciate you. <laughs> Just saying. Anyway, <laughs> what the hell? And you know, Hagen's daughter. Like now, I'm gonna be devastated if I if I read the next two Asha chapters and realize that Hagen's daughter's dead, which I figure she probably will be because she's too awesome to live. Right. So I feel like that's gonna really make me sad. So really, this is just like the inevitable conclusion of reading any of these books is that everyone you care about will die. So great. Well, you know, the thing is that it it just kills me because a we're never gonna know. I mean, it, that's just a given. And B, it's like. You know, you get to like a character and then you're like, and they're dead, you yeah. know, but mm-hmm. it's so, you know, I mean, some of these characters have to be able to make it out alive. You know, they like stupid do. Tris Bobby's going to live. Like, I'm 100% <laughs> sure that Justin that guy's going to live. Oh, Justin Massey's totally going to live. Although it's so funny. I I still remember I Lot was writing some fanfic, oh God, a while back. And, um, she had me reading it, and I actually didn't think that her Justin Massey um, portrayal was accurate to what we know about him. And and I'm like, you know, hang on, let me talk to one of the Justin Massey fans. And Lot was like, wait, there are Justin Massey fans? <laughs> like, um, yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, there's a Justin Massey fandom. Which is just you when you think about that. Now I'm the <laughs> one. A now you guys, for everything. we're the first four members of the Hagen's daughter fandom. <laughs> just <laughs> pretty sure we're the only ones. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like once you re- when people reread the chapter, they'll be like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> Hagen's daughter, yay!" Um, we might create the fandom for her. Just saying. 
So, <laughs> come on, do we have any mail tonight? We do not. Oh, you bastards. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can send us some mail um, at closethedoorand at gmail.com, or you can tweet us at Door Podcast on Twitter. You can find us on Tumblr at Close the Door and Come Here, and also on Facebook at Close the Door and Come Here. And you can listen to us on iTunes. Also, leave us a review on iTunes. We haven't got an iTunes review in a couple months. And um, the, you know, the more better reviews we get, uh, the more people that can find us. So we always appreciate your reviews. And let's see, you can find us on Podbeam, on Google Play, and Stitcher, and all of those fun places. And if you are one of our wonderful Patreons, you will receive special benefits like receiving episodes early. So um, please consider supporting us on Patreon. I want to thank everyone for joining us, or joining me tonight, the, the royal us, for joining me in my French podcast. Yeah, if only I knew how to say close the door and come here in French, that would probably have been um, something Fermé. nice. If I, if I had all La planned. Force, I, I don't know the rest yeah. of it. If something I was, EC? I don't know. Yeah. If, if you're I had French, all planned what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. If I had all planned what I was going to say ever on the podcast, I might have had that planned out, but I don't. So, get out. <laughs>